Craig and I were out past her by the time last Oh, week. my God. <laughs> you should probably, well, have, have a half a beer. Just Let's just, just have, have another half. Just have another half a beer. It's the greatest and worst thing about yeah. the Madison Curling Club, both. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Curling Nation Season 4, Episode 8, Bo Knows Curling. Today, we're talking with WCF President? World Curling. World Curling sorry, President. Sorry, World Curling yeah. President. Bowelling. And for those of you who Sweet don't think that we've world. got any clout in this curling world, yeah. screw you. We got the <laughs> world curling president at the drop of a hat to come on the show. And it's a dynamite episode. You're going to want to stick around past and listen to this. Even, yeah, it was past his bedtime. But it might be past your bedtime, too. It it's my also bedtime. my past, yeah. my bedtime. Mike and I stayed out too late at league last night. Yeah, we definitely did. <laughs> Not opinion. All right, uh, but first of all, Curling Nation is brought to you by Modus Financial. Uh, visit Modus CC for all your point-of-sale credit card processing needs, whether you need a single-card swipe swiper, point-of-sale equipment, uh, online stores to take money from, whatever you need. Uh, Mason's, Mason can get you hooked up, so visit ModusCC.com for all your credit card processing needs. Also, Endgame Curling. Uh, Croy made some pretty nice brooms. Uh, I use one myself. I like it. Um, he's got the new, the new ones called the icon. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's, uh, it's, yep. it's the smaller, smaller, more compact, smaller, more co- design, compact yes. head design. Get, um, uh, pretty WCF much approved. WCF approved or is it WCF? World, World, World Curling, Curling approved. We're Curling approved now. Whatever. It's WCF approved. That's Whatever. a good question. That's now that great. the WCF has changed to World Curling, are they going to change the names? WCF. Am I going to have to change every freaking page on my website? <laughs> yeah. That says WCF approved? approved? Yeah. Whatever. I anyway, think about you that. got a bone to pick with yeah. Bo all of a sudden. I do. I wish I would have known this mm-hmm. info when we were just yeah. talking to him. Anyway, uh, endgamecurling.com, the most economical broomhead replacement. All you do is buy the fa- fabric and change it out. Um, it's a more economical way to change a broom head, which, which you should do more often than what you do now. Accurate. 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 Yes. Fact. Not opinion. Fact. Uh, so updates. Um, there's some, there's one thing, a couple things that happened. The Packers lost in the playoffs, unfortunately. Should Should we have Super Bowl picks? Chiefs. Chiefs? Yeah. Uh, chefs by 10. Oh, I don't think that many. Five. And no less than eight Taylor, Taylor Swift camps. Whoa. I hope there's 20. Uh, I'm going to be contrarian, but I think that the 49ers should have lost to both the Packers and the Lions. They should have. Mm-hmm. It's somehow not... squeaked out of both games, so I will also take the Chefs. Okay. Maybe that's a good reason to take the 49ers. It's destiny. It's destiny. They're they're destined to not start slow and have a shitty mm-hmm. first three quarters of the game. <laughs> Got it. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, maybe next yeah. week we'll talk about my Bonspiel big adventure, too. Oh, yeah. But I don't want to yeah, talk about that. Yeah, you were on assignment. You were on assignment. I was on we assignment. We yeah. your, your trip to Grindelwald. We have... Spent way too much time with both, so we did. We spent a lot of time right with now. both. So well, we spent a, the appropriate amount of time because well, yes. we got a ton of we great could, information. Yes, we could spend 
more time with Bo if he has yeah, time. I think we all, all had point, questions but... we didn't ask him. Yes. Yeah. would have liked to. Um, anyway, updates. Um, Team USA, Wendling and Perel. Sorry about the pronunciation. I got that wrong. Uh, they won bronze at mixed doubles at the Youth Olympic Games. In, Some might call uh, them the Yogs. The Yogs. Yep. Uh, congratulations to them. Yeah, go team. Go. go team USA. They only had one loss in the whole event. Did it was, they? Yeah, it's a great event. Good job. Congrats. That's pretty good. And um, some teams won nat, nat, nationals. Whatever. Nobody cares. Oh wait. Uh, That's not wait, true, that's Joel. Not true. People we care, care about right. teams that won we nationals. We care about the teams. Who do you uh, think won? Schuster. Schuster won. <laughs> Schuster, Schuster, and Peterson. Schuster and again, Peterson won. Yep, again. Man. But it was uh, not it was, without its drama. It was more. It was yeah. more dramatic because Schuster lost the one-two game, came back and won the final. Gave up a um, three. Yeah. Oh, did he throw yeah. a meatball in the second end or third yeah. end or whatever? Like yeah, was, that might be reason to get John on this show someday, just whoa. so we can talk about that meatball before he. <laughs> You know what the worst Before part he of, got a five. You know what the worst part about Nationals was? What? John Landsteiner's illness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. I didn't see enough John Landsteiner. Yeah. That made me sad. Sorry, hey, John. Uh, so, yeah, hope, Schuster, hope beat, Schuster beat Drobkin in the final. Um, and Peterson beat Anderson yep. in yep. the final. Um, We're going to get more into that next time. Yeah. We'll, We're going to have a, like we'll a full We're Nationals gonna... recap with a special yeah. guest. Who was yep. on site, not named Joel, because Joel yep. was also on site. If you watch that, pushing buttons. If you watch that wonderful streaming coverage, uh, you can thank Joel and a Among couple of other people. Other people yes. Among many other people, John and yeah. and not Matt. many other people, a, a couple other many, people. Couple of and Matt Matt Wall did a good job too. Um, no, I thought the coverage was great. Good job. Thanks. Oh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, what else are we going to talk about here? That's it. That's it? I think so. Um, yeah, we're going to get into yeah, your bull, bull stories, your bullshit stories next time. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yep. And then Nationals next time. Yeah. Do a full show. Yeah. Cause this, um, this I won my league game last night. In case you didn't know, Joel. Yeah. Mike was there. He was, was with there. me. Hmm. We we I need know. to we need to like announce when we win because we're having a rough go at it yeah, this it's, year. It's been a bad. It's been a rocky season. For we're only like five hundred or maybe was it against maybe. My team? No. No. Oh. We're only like a, next to us. Oh. Okay. We're only like a couple uh, games lost, ahead of five hundred. I believe. Son of a bitch. Yeah, Who's your team? I'm pretty sure you lost. That's Sylvia and um, Will. Oh yeah, you guys Sylvia, lost. Will yeah. And Owen. Yeah, yeah, you lost. Dave, I, yeah, you lost. Okay. Well, now I don't have to try try so hard when I sub for Dave in leagues in two weeks. There you go. There Boom. you go. Boom. All right. Let's get to Bo. Let's get to Bo. Yeah. All right. We got a heavy hitter today. Uh, this guy designs golf courses. Uh, he also happens to be a curler and is very influential. He is the World Curling Federation president. I think I got that right. Welcome to the show, Bo Welling. Bo, how are we doing today? I'm fantastic, Mike. Thanks for uh, having me having me on. So good good to see you guys. Absolutely. Uh, we'd probably just get right into it, right? Let's get right yeah. into it. How in the world you now how in the world did you get hooked up with curling in general? We'll go through your whole like timeline because 
I think you've been interested in curling about as long as I have. Uh, and I'm the really? men's ratings chair at my club, and you're the World Curling Federation <laughs> president. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it's a long story that some people want to make into a movie, but for, you know, 1988 Calgary demonstration sport, I'm 18 years old. And all of a sudden here's the sport that I've never heard of that's in the Olympics. And I thought like, how can that be? Like, how is that even possible that a sport that I've never heard of that's in the Olympics? So I went out of my way to learn about it and, you know, see rocks, brooms, ice. And I really, I think like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, how can this be in the Olympics? And then on top of it, there was a 14 or 15-year-old girl that was on the U.S. women's team. And I thought, well, how in the world can somebody so much younger than me be in the Olympics? This is, this is nuts in this sport that I've never heard of. So that, of course, is Craig's sister. Um, and so that was really my first exposure to curling. Uh, and, but I didn't think much of it after that. It just, that's, that's my first memory. And then when the O2 Olympics rolled around, I came home late one night probably after a few beverages and turned on the television and lo and behold, there were rocks, brooms and ice. And I said to myself, wait a minute, that's that curling thing. I remember this and I start watching and I have no idea what anyone's doing or why they're doing, why they're screaming. But I find myself inextricably just drawn to the television, just like in this wrapped like state. And I go into the Tom Fazio office, golf course design office the next day and I mentioned to the guys around the office that this had this had happened. This sort of weird thing had happened with me watching curling and being fascinated. And one of Tom's longtime guys, a guy named Andy Banfield, um, piped in that he was originally from Northern Ontario and he had grown up curling. And I was shocked by this because I'd known this man for quite a long time. And I'd never heard him utter the word, but all of a sudden he starts explaining to me, you know, the basics of the game. And I would go home that night, watch more of coverage. Salt Lake Olympics, come back, ask Andy questions. And I think just the more that all went on and the more I learned, the more fascinated I got in the sport, in the game. And I think if I look back and I, th I say, like, why, why is that? I think, obviously, it's a strategic game, and I think that fits my mind. I think I'm a strategic sort of oriented person, and I am, as you mentioned, in the golf business. And so being around golf and curling now for quite some time it's very clear to me they come out of the same sort of scottish ether if you will like both are angles are important in both sports they have weird jargon in terms their games of honor integrity camaraderie um and arguably like excuses to have a, a, a drink and 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 i like doing all of that stuff and so amen, and i do have a degree in and, and, amen. And, and they're both incredibly fr frustrating at yeah. times yeah you can, can learn it but take a lifetime to master Lifetime game sports, and uh, and I do have a degree in physics, so I think like the the nerd in me liked sort of the science of curling and trajectories and friction and sweeping and all that. So uh, the hook sort of got set in two thousand two, but I maybe I didn't know how deep it was. Uh, we were, we built a couple of golf courses in Canada, um, or attempted to built one and attempted another one between oh two and oh six, and I would joke with the Canadian golf guys that. I was all about curling and I wanted to start the Southern curling team and all this kind of stuff. And I think they found it was interesting that I even knew what that was. And so when the 06 rolls around, um, you know, there's like 80 hours of live coverage of curling on, on all the NBC channels. And I basically stopped working for two weeks and uh, <laughs> stayed home watching curling, like literally all day long. And um, I literally could not get enough of it. Guys in the office thought I was losing my mind. Um <laughs> 
I kept seeing on the television that all the U.S. athletes were from the same place. And that struck me as strange. Like most team sports, people come from different places. And I didn't even know what this place was or even how to pronounce it. But I, I think Al Gore had invented the internet by this point. So I go online and I learned that this is Bemidji, Minnesota. And that Bemidji brands itself Curling Town, USA. Lots of success in curling. And that Bemidji is going to be hosting the U.S. National Championships like two weeks after the Torino Olympics. And so I start kind of joking around the office, like, how cool would that be to go watch that? Like, what sport does this even happen where you get to compete for the national championship in your own sort of small town? And the athletes I was watching in Torino were going to be back in Bemidji for nationals. And in reality, I was supposed to be on a business trip. So it was kind of a joke. And But the guys are doing weather.com and pointing out this minus 55 degree wind chill in Bemidji. And <laughs> I'm, calling you from, I'm calling you from South Carolina. I've got a sweater and I just took a jacket off and it's like 60 degrees. Oh, man. Uh, so cold's not, cold's not really my thing. But um, I the day before I'm to leave for Europe, Europeans call and cancel my trip. So all of a sudden I've got this free week, which never happens in my life. And it perfectly aligns with the U.S. National Championships in Bemidji. And so this now feels like a divine intervention. Like it feels like I am supposed to go do this. And so I'm seriously thinking about doing it, but online you could buy a reserved seat uh, and the period of time to do so had lapsed. So I'm seriously thinking about going, but like, I'm worried, like, what if you can't get in? Like, what if it's sold out? Or, <laughs> or, like, or like, what if, what if, what if outsiders really aren't, aren't welcome? And so I get my longtime assistant, Grace, on the case. And Grace is from North Georgia. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. The Fazio office is in Hendersonville, North Carolina. So right in the mountains of the Western Carolinas and Georgia, right where the three states come together. And Grace has a thicker accent than I do. And she called up to Bemidji and got somebody on the phone. I probably need to track down who this actually was. But she's like, hey, my boss, he just loves that curling. And he comes in here every day talking about it. And he loves it. And I, I see here on the I see here on the internet, y'all are having a national championship. But I just know he'd love to come up there. Is there any way he could help me get him a ticket? Now, I won't try to do the northern Minnesota accent, but you guys know that. And so... Oh, sure, guy, you betcha. You know, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so some, at some point, Joel, the guy responds, um, if you don't mind me asking, like, where exactly are you calling from? And she says, accurately so, well, I'm calling from North Carolina. And he says, well, why in the world is somebody from North Carolina interested in curling? And she says, oh, well, he's not from North Carolina. He's from South Carolina. <laughs> and the guy kind of <laughs> chuckled as if that made a big difference. And um uh, and uh and said you know send in the hundred bucks or whatever it is and not only will we get him a seat we'll get him the best seat we got and uh and you've got to give him my phone number because anybody that would would do that uh come from south carolina to um to Bemidji to watch curling like, i've got to buy that man a beer so grace got off the phone explained all that to me oh you're you you're, you seem like really nice people you never take time <laughs> off i think you should go do this <laughs> So I'm like, well, why not? So I fly up. I couldn't get there till Sunday night. And I land at the Bemidji Beltrami County Regional Airport. And it might as well be like, the, it's like midnight. It might as well be the North Pole. It's like blinding <laughs> snow. Uh, like I'm, I'm like stranger in a strange land. And I find the SUV. She's got rented for me to go check in. I think at a Holiday Inn Express or something like that. And I go downstairs and to the on Monday morning, all excited to finally see this thing in person that I have 
arguably obsessed over on television. And the little stale donut breakfast deal is empty except for one guy. And it's Pete Fenson. Now I've just left Tiger Woods, Bill Clinton. Like those are nobodies. This is a celebrity as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he just won, just won the, just, just won the bronze medal. Um, and here he was all of a sudden you know, right in front of me. So I go up to him and I'm, I'm sort of congratulate him, which is not like me. I don't really reach out to people, bother people when they're doing something like that. So anyway, he thanked me and we got to talking and, um, and at some point I said, yeah, I'm real excited to be here from, from South Carolina for nationals just got in last night. And as soon as he hears that, he's like, Oh my God, Bo, Bo Welling. Oh my God, you're here. We, man, we thought you had changed your mind. We were going to have you be a part of the open ceremonies on Saturday, but but you weren't here, man. You have no idea. Like the, the town's excited, the club's excited. This is so great that you're here. <laughs> so I'm looking around, like, am I on a hidden camera television show or something? Like, am I getting punked? Like, what in the world is going on? But but the you know this whole North Carolina South Carolina stick had barely been known at the club, and so they're waiting to see will this nut job really show up. So in any event, I make my way over to the curling club. My reserved seat is they've taken a stool from the bar and turn it around up against the glass and take my name over it. And I'm sitting, you know, there are other people that are next to me. And so to my left is uh, uh, the, uh, and Jamie's grandfather, J Johnson's grandfather, um, Craig, what's his name? Lynn, uh, not Lynn, uh, Lynn, yeah, Lynn, Johnson. any of that. Grandfather of the Johnson sisters. Yeah. So that was like, oh my God, this is really cool. But then to my right was Don Barkham's wife or girlfriend. And I think, Craig, you were playing, were you playing with him? I wasn't playing with him that year. That's I was playing with him that year. Uh, like the next year or something like that. But yeah. But in any event, we went out to lunch at some point in this crazy Bemidji thing. I met you at this 2006 thing. Yeah. And so, in any event, the first day, as the first day goes on, people are, you know, it's, it's almost like I'm the celebrity. It's like, oh, my God, you're the guy from South Carolina. You're the guy from South Carolina. And people were so nice, and it was wonderful, and I was having a great time. And when I had originally – I'm sorry, you guys are getting a long version. When I originally went up there, I wasn't sure if I was going to get bored, like, in an hour and want to leave or want to stay for a day or two. Yeah. So I actually had a one-way ticket into the into Bemidji. Like, who does that? But um, I ended up – to make a long story a little shorter, I end up staying nine days. So people taking me ice fishing, going with ice to the curling stones, <laughs> dinners, drinking. I had a had a had a birth had a birthday while I was there, and like the town people threw me a birthday party. My mother was convinced <laughs> I was having a, a midlife crisis. Um, it gets to the end. It gets to the end, and um, Mark Swanby was the head of the USCA at the time, and he recognizes president of the USCA at the time. He recognizes from the podium. I get a standing ovation from the people that are there. Um, he he names me the official Southern ambassador for the sport of curling, um, and I and that's cool. And some of the uh, Olympians kind of came to me afterwards and said, "Oh, this is so cool! You got to stay one more day and walk with us in the Welcome Home U.S. Curler Parade." So the next thing I know, I'm you know fifth car in the parade, American flag <laughs> starts with the, the Paul Bunyan <laughs> Paul Bunyan statue. <laughs> Right downtown, you know, end up at the, uh, and we've got the, my wife is very kind to bring me a drink now. There you and, go. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we're good. And, uh, and so, you know, end up at the Bemidji Lumberjack High School Gymnasium, you know, the place is packed. I've got a seat on the floor with the Olympians. It's like, you can't make this up. And so I leave, I eventually leave. And I really think this is in my rear view mirror. And about a month or two later, I get a call 
from the new president of USCA, which is Georgia West from Chicago. And she says, hey, I got your name for some people in Bemidji and I understand you've got a lot of thoughts about our sport. And at first I thought, what, what in the world is this woman talking about? And then it did dawn on me, Joel, that maybe I did have a few pops at night and started to give unsolicited <laughs> advice about what I thought people should be doing. Sure. And so, so she wanted to know all that. And so eventually she's like, Bo, let me cut to the chase. We've been asked by the United States Olympic committee to get somebody on our board that really isn't a curler. And we'd like to see if you might be interested in doing that. So in sort of late 2006, early 2007, I went onto the board. I was the first independent director of the USCA. So then that then started this crazy Forrest Gump of curling sort of story that ultimately leads to me <laughs> being on the, being on the curling being on the curling nation talking to you guys. Got it, got it. That is that's a hell of a trip. That's a wild ride. I like I like the Forrest yep. Gump of the uh, the curling world. That's pretty good. I like that you got to go ice fishing. Yeah, and your first ever experience up north, uh, like yeah. proper up north. I should. Yeah. Sure yeah, that's Bemidji's yeah. up north. Yeah. yeah. Definitely up north. Yeah. So, it was great. It was a wonderful time. Had, had you been that far north in the winter? I Let me think. Good question, Joel. I had probably not. I had gone to college in, like, Rhode Island, so that's not as far north. Um, but, yeah, I mean, cer certainly, like, curling in those first few years, I mean, exposed me to things that I never thought I would experience. I mean, I can remember being at a nationals in Hibbing or someplace and it was, you know, minus 30 degrees or something. And, you know, in the South, if, we're, if it gets to zero, we just die. Like we don't even know yeah. how to do that. Yeah, it just, um, just yeah. shut so it down. That was shut it down for a day. Yeah. 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 We're done. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I was, with you in uh in swift current uh yep. in 2010 you were i think you were the team leader was that your role in that uh at that championship kind of that's right so tw 2010 i got to be the team leader and so that was quite you know and on 2010 was a big year in that um you know, went to i got to go as part of the u.s delegation of vancouver um it was sort of in that experience in the olympics that ultimately born starting the Palmetto Curling Club back home in Greenville, South Carolina. It's kind of what led to me to get involved with the World Curling Federation. Uh, but as you're pointing out, I was a team leader for U.S. women at Swift Current Saskatchewan, Canada. One, I was convinced that nobody from South Carolina had ever been to Swift Current Saskatchewan, Canada. I tried to get South Carolina <laughs> Public Television to film this. But um, to me, one of the great parts of my whole story is that, you know, Erica Brown in 1988, you know, caught my attention being how young she was and in the Olympics. And then fast forward to 2010, she was the skip of the team that I took uh, as the team leader to, to Swift Current. And so that was like a real cool to me, sort of full circle moment. Um, and, you know, just really, really cool. And I think someone embodies sort of one of the many unique and awesome things about the sport and about the community around the sport. Yeah. It's, a, you know, it's just interesting that somebody you know with a high profile job like yourself you're going to a lot of kind of fancy exotic ish locations and then you get yourself involved in curling and you start spending time in hibbing and bemidji places, and swift places current, you never knew existed uh ever and yeah. places that you know aren't real high on anybody's list necessarily <laughs> no. you know i've spent plenty of time in 
Morris, Manitoba. In places that are <laughs> like, you're going where and why? Some yeah. some but, people uh, vacation south in the winter. Yeah. Curtis vacation further north. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Blind River, Ontario. Yeah, Blind River. Yeah. Blind River was great, man. I'm, I'm sure. I was one of my many regrets in life. So. Fast uh, forward to now you're the president of the World Curling Federation. We have. We're gonna throw some world curling. Okay, hold on. I, yeah, I got okay. a question about right. how that progression yep. worked because you were on the USCA board for quite a number of years, uh, yeah. and then you became the a United States WCF rep. Is that correct? That's correct. And yeah, so how? How? Oh, back in 2010, even it was that long that you yeah. were just a rep for the U.S. on the WCF. And that's right. What year was it then that you became? And how how's the what's the process to go from WCF rep to WCF president? So I I was one of four reps from the United States, and you know I I, I found the WCF part very very interesting um, in terms of you know the partner that helps deliver the you know. The sport at the Olympics, um, the the you know, the global nature of it, you know, meeting people from around the world, like all of that, I, I found very very interesting and, and very much enjoyed that. And I started to get more involved um, with the WCF um, because I felt like that was the right thing to do for the United States. And so, um, for example, I just just come from Korea for the from the Youth Olympic Games, but the original Youth Olympic Winter Games was in 2012 in, in Innsbruck, Austria. It was the inaugural one. It was sort of Jack Rogg's sort of thing. And we were pushing hard to try to get uh, mixed doubles into into the program of the Olympics. And so we were going to have that be at the original Youth Olympic Games. One of the one of the competitions was mixed doubles. And so we sort of strategically said, why don't we go help the WCF's efforts, you know, in terms of networking, liaising, you know, whatnot with IOC members. So I went and spent two weeks in Innsbruck and Kate Kathens, my predecessor was a big pusher of this. And, and I think what she found is that I was an interesting person in this universe because I could speak curling to the non-curling winter Olympic people, but yet I sort of came from this more outside perspective. And then the, with the golf perspective, like I had lots of stories and ways to sort of network with IOC people. And so I ended up getting, used if you will um <laughs> in a good way in a good in a good way at both the 2014 and the 2018 olympics as well with this whole idea of trying to pursue sort of strategic aims and so my i went i got elected to the board in 2018 and um andy anderson was my predecessor uh from the united states from chicago and andy had, had decided to step down and retire and so i i ran in 2018 and, you know, narrowly won an uncontested election. Um, <laughs> and so I, I went on to the board in 2018. And so my first task that Kate asked me to do was to kind of look at the strategic plan for the organization, which is what a lot of international federations do after a, a, an Olympics. So like, okay, let's do the new plan for the quad. And so I said, I will do this. I'll lead this effort, but like, I'm not just dusting off what we did before. Like I want to start from the, you know, ground zero and let's build a new strategic plan. And so I did that. Or I shouldn't say I did that. I helped lead that. 
with our board and with our members, but did it from a very sort of bottoms up approach in terms of getting feedback, you know, from member associations from around the world, feedback from individual people. Um, and it's, it's not unlike how I work at a golf club. Like when you come into an existing member owned golf club, there's a lot of disparate opinions about what should be done. And so we've developed some processes by which to garner stakeholder engagement and buy-in. And so I did help do a process that was somewhat similar to that. And so we got a new Ford plan approved, you know, 18 months later in that, but it dawned on us that on the board that we didn't necessarily have the right structure to pursue strategy. So we had a board trying to operate very operationally and very clear that good governance board needed to operate from strategy and policy. And so we, we ultimately formed another grounds route, grounds, uh, ground, what do you call it? Grassroots sort of group or member le you know, level group that we call the structural review group. And that led to kind of looking at some governance and reforms with how the organization was structured um, in, in order to, to sort of pursue strategy. So I did that. And then the election was in 2022. Kate termed out after 12 years. And so I had never had any intention of doing this role. Um, but I got encouraged by a couple, three of our larger nations that they felt like they wanted to see me um, throw my hat in the ring. They felt like I was maybe the right person to kind of continue uh, leading the board as it relates to all the strategic sort of efforts. And so I think if it hadn't been COVID and the world hadn't moved to more online things, I probably would have just said no, but I felt like I'm nobody really super special. This, this board really needs to operate as a, as a team of equals. And so in any event, I got coaxed by these nations into, into seeing if, if other people thought similarly. And I guess they did because in 2022, I got elected as the whatever number president of the World Curling Federation. Guys are getting long stories tonight. I'm sorry. Hot, that's no, right. that's, that's no, perfect. That's no problem. Interesting. <clears throat> We're trying to learn a little bit about life in general yeah. and about you. So, <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about curling more? Or do you want to take a break from curling and talk about other things for a minute? You, you choose. Uh, how much do you curl now? Do you curl at all? No. Not a lot. And I, uh, I miss it. Um, you know, when I started, you know, so my first really introduction to, I, when I, I never had an intention of becoming a curler. Um, I was just fascinated in the sport. And then I think I got to imagine, I got fascinated by the people in the community and then people started, you know, teaching me curling but it'd be like at national championships and stuff. Like that'd be what you'd get me out on the ice between draws and like be teaching me how to throw a curling stone. So it's sort of a very bizarre introduction to curling. And then people start taking me bond spiels and I enjoyed all that. And then there was this exposure of me at the 2010 Olympics back home here in South Carolina. Like I was on the local television that here's this crazy guy up with this ice sport. And, uh, and local people started calling me saying, it's, can we, can we do this in Greenville? And I, I didn't, think that there really would be a core interest. But while still in Vancouver, I set up a little Facebook page called South Carolina Curling. And before I, you know, had hit enter, like 500 people had liked this thing. This was like early days of Facebook. And that was like, holy smokes, what in the world's going on? So I got home, I met with some people, see if they were interested in truly trying to start this in Greenville. And lo and behold, we ended up starting the Palmetto Curling Club. It never would have been 
doable if not for the fact there's a, a, a series of expat Canadians here, many that work for Michelin, the tire manufacturer. But in any event, oh, we started yeah, the Palmetto sure. Curling Club. So to answer, so to answer your question, Arena Club. And so when we started, I would curl a lot, both in the local, you know, Arena Club League as well as going and, and doing various sponsor fields. As life has gotten busy, and it's super busy right now. Um, it's hard for me to find time. Like I'm never here to do anything any sort of regular way. So like a league, like doesn't fit the way my life's uh, being run right now, but I still enjoy it. I try to get out. I'll sub in the local league every so often. I'll go to a bond spill every so often, but it's not nearly as much uh, as I wished. And if you're asking me how often I play golf, the answer would be very, very similar. Like I don't, it's hard for me to find, like I just got home from being in Korea for, you know, eight or nine days. So like going and playing golf this weekend wasn't on the top of the list of things to do. Sure. So they both sort of seem to come in spurts. So, you know, I probably haven't curled in several months and I haven't played golf probably. I played golf. It's probably been a couple, three months since I played golf too. Holy moly. I also haven't played golf in a couple, three months, but the weather that's is... Cause that's because that's weather-related. Yeah. It's more unfavorable <laughs> up here. I did play on December 15th this year. It's the latest I've ever played huh. in Wisconsin. That was pretty good. I actually just saw some... This is more than you want to know. I just saw on the ride home this, tonight, I saw some data from the National Golf Foundation, which tracks all these statistics on golf. And this past December was the most rounds of golf ever played in December. And many parts of the country were much warmer... Uh, and so you had places that had crazy record rounds, um, like Northeast, and probably like where you're talking about too. Yeah. Um, so it's just a worthless yeah. factoid running around my head right now. No, yeah. that's fine. That's a great. I I can believe that 100. percent There are a bunch of courses open around here in December. So give us a little background on the golf uh, and what you do in that whole whole story, that whole angle of bow welling. Yeah. So I grew up a golfer. I started playing when I was two. Um, I'm about to turn 54, uh, so 52 years of trying this sport and like growing Joel, it's just you can't <laughs> master. Trying this sport, I, I definitely, I definitely that. reached my peak. <laughs> um, but I was a bit of a kid that studied, doodled golf holes growing up, and I, uh, I went to a wacky university called Brown University, and uh, I played on the NCAA powerhouse Brown Bear Golf Team there. And uh, Brown is sort of students can make up their own course of study. And I was debating, do I do something around science or physics or do I do something around art? That's how coherent I was. And I literally woke up one morning with like, wait a minute, golf course design, that's artistic and creative, but engineering and scientific. And right across the street from Brown's Rhode Island School of Design. So I started down this path of getting very interested in trying to be serious about this. This got a famous golf architect named Tom Bazzi was building a golf course in my hometown. I started bugging him, asking him, how does one become a golf course designer? And he basically had to answer my phone call because my dad was on the development team of this project. <laughs> so I was like a son of a client. And so that ultimately led to me working as a summer job with him kind of all throughout college. And uh, ultimately, after college, I went to business school and kind of went down this other path of sort of finance and investment banking. But Mr. Fazio ultimately coaxed me back out of that, and I ended up help him run his company for about 10 years um, before leaving and starting a very creatively named company called Bowelling Design. And so we do traditional golf course architecture, golf course design. We're also sort of master planners and 
landscape architects and planners. And uh, we do have this relationship with Tiger Woods. So we help him with all of his golf design efforts. And, uh, but we do stuff more and more stuff really kind of on our own. And so he kind of comes and goes with what he wants to do. And so it's a really great relationship uh, for both of us. Uh, he happens to be really busy. We've got three projects under construction with him right now. So, um, so there's lots going on between golf and curling. I like to say I'm pretty long Scottish sports at this point. So, yeah. Nice. So one of my biggest bummers in my curling career was, uh, when Lindsey Vaughn got hurt right before Sochi Olympics, because that's when Tiger and Lindsey were dating. Oh, man. And I figured he would have come to watch her at the Olympics, and yeah. being buddies with Bo, oh, uh, I would have got to meet Tiger Woods. Oh, man. Because he's definitely coming to curling. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. Bo's at curling, like, basically every day. I'm like, I'm yeah. sure I'm going to get to meet Tiger. Yeah. And then she gets fucking hurt and can't compete. Yeah. And Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah. Way to go, Way to Lindsay. Go. Man. Have you talked with Tiger? Tiger about uh, coming on the ice at some point? You know, I, I you know, to be honest with you, if I think if he had gotten introduced to this at a young age, I think he would have been a really good curler. I, I think uh, he's super aware of it. Um, he's a very um, strategic sort of guy. Like the way he approaches golf is, is very sort of risk reward based, almost like a computer calculating risks and probabilities. And so I think he would have been, uh, I think he would have been an interesting curler. Um, but Obviously, golf is his path. He certainly knows about me and my passion and role in curling, and we talk about it from time to time. But I think with his body, um, I think that my chances of getting him on the ice are probably not, not probably anymore. Past at this not point. with that. Not yeah. with his. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can get, get, give him a stick. It'd be yeah, fine. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I think he'd be fine. All right. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. throw. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna lighten us up a little. All right, lighten I'm gonna, it up. I'm gonna throw some. I'll just throw some quick hitter golf questions uh, for you. Sure. All right. Uh, music on the course. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, walk or ride? I prefer to walk. And it's not because of exercising. It's because of, I find that when people walk, they talk and communicate more. And as soon as you, people ride in carts, um, they're on their phones. So they only talk to the person in the cart. They don't they only see the other people at the green or tee. So I really like. I really encourage our clients to really promote walking because I think it's it's the best purest version of the game. I like because it allows us a lot more of the camaraderie to come out. I like that. That's a great answer. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Thing. Uh, I just thought we were going to get a walk or ride like, answer, that's but that's way answer. better. Uh, I like to walk too, but uh, I guess maybe I didn't realize why. Why? I, now, I agree. Now, now I, I know. About it, yeah. Uh, best morning cocktail on the golf course. Oh. I'd probably personally be a Bloody Mary guy okay. if it's early. All right. Really early. All right. All Best right. morning cocktail at a Gamecocks game. Tailgate. Oh, uh, that would be – depends on game time. So if we – we've been bad lately, so that means noon games, which is really hard for us. Uh, but that would normally be a uh, start with Bloody Marys and evolve to beer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Early Gamecock deal. How many games do you make a year? I, so seven home games a year, and I, I try to make them all. Um, this past year, curling, uh, we had a World Curling Congress in Seoul, Korea, so I missed the game. I missed the Florida game, I think it was. 
And then it seems like I had another curling commitment that made me lose, miss another game. So I think I made five home games this year. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I've been in bizarre places, like trying to stream Gamecock football in the middle of the night, you know, at like, you know, Bled, Slovenia or Belgrade, you know. We, we just had a conversation. Serbia about or wherever. Craig watching a playoff game at, uh, in, in Grindelwald, Switzerland. Yeah, I just watched the Packers yeah, play that started at 2.35 in the morning. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Uh, baby draw or butter cut? I'm a right to left guy, and okay. if I can okay. keep it as a baby draw, that would be great. It ends up being <laughs> a, a bad, bad left a lot, a lot of times. Got it. Okay, yeah, I'm a yeah. Unfortunately, probably more of a left to right guy. So, what's your favorite course that you've ever played? That's a hard one. When I, anybody asks me superlatives, I end up talking for a long period of time about multiple places. So I've been, I was very fortunate to get to play Augusta National as a young person. So it's pretty high on the list. Uh, Cypress Point is super high on the list. Again, we had family friends that were members there. And so as a young person, getting to play these two sort of cathedrals of golf. Um, That's pretty awesome. That was super special. And you know, both were designed by Alistair McKenzie. And so that was really my first exposure to golf design being a thing. So those will always be sort of super special places. My mother's half Irish, and I've lived I lived in Ireland for a while. So a lot of links golf in Ireland is super high on the list too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I could go on for like 20, 20 minutes. No, no, nope, we don't want that. We just wanted the we wanted the quick. I think having been able to play Cypress Point and Augusta, those are good answers. Uh, who's going to win, uh, Roy Tinkup McIlroy or Happy Gilmore? I got to go with Roars, right? Rory? Okay. Rory? Yeah, I like it. Rory. Rory McAvoy. Uh, like best it. golf movie. Oh, yeah. And worst. I got to go. I got to go Caddyshack. Yeah, I, that's I the right Caddyshack. answer. And mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the correct answer. Yeah, and We all decided that beforehand. Two, right? I mean, Caddyshack 2 is a pretty awful movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, oh, I had another one. I just lost oh, it. Oh, sorry. I can't, I can't help you. Should we ask him a curling question now? What are your thoughts on the golf ball rollback oh. that's coming? I think it's too little, too late. Uh, I don't think it means much. I, you know, I think by the time it, it doesn't go into effect to elite level players until 2028 and then everybody else in 2030. And it's, um, you know, by 2028, they'll have figured out other variables to optimize that. I think the ultimate reduction will be, you know, five yards or seven yards. And I just don't think that really means anything in the no. grand scheme of things. I can tell you this, and I've had big debates with my USGA colleagues. When it got announced, we have not done anything differently about how we design golf courses. Cause I just, I don't think it's going to be, um, I don't think it's gonna be that big of an effect. It's a multivariable problem. And they've just talked they're just talking about one of the variables. And so it's a much more complex situation. So I, I don't think it makes a big deal. Great. I, I think that, it doesn't make sense for the amateur golfer personally, uh, but like I can see something should happen. We we were discussing for pros. We were kind of discussing but, I mean, before the show that it should be like the the like the brush heads now. Like you you're playing in a tournament, you're playing in a sanctioned event, something. Okay, you have to use this golf ball, and Titleist can make one, and TaylorMade yeah. can make one, and whatever. But if you're if you're just if it's league or whatever, just just play your Pro V one, play your whatever, and and that's. Like, I think they were. 
I think the USGA and the RNA were headed down the path of bifurcation, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and I think they got right up to the cusp of it and started getting a lot of negative feedback on it. So they come up with this, that the amateur level player at slower swing speeds, it should have substantially less effect. But I think it, if to me, it's like, what are we trying to solve for? And so if it's to protect the St. Andrews and the Marians of the world that have no more land, that's fine. But like, let's talk about that. And so, you know, I grew up playing with something we called a wood that had a persimmon yeah. head that was about that big. And now these guys have something they still call a wood that is highly engineered and about this big. And so to me, it's just, there are other arrows in the quiver, so to speak, sure. of how to, to think about preserving these grand old golf courses. But I think for day in and day out golf, to your point, Craig, I, like we don't need to be monkey around making golf harder. Like if anything, no. we need to be making it easier. Yeah, I think most people play too far back anyway. So that's true. But that's beside the point. All right. Curling. What's your thoughts on uh, short courses? I love short courses. I feel like we've been kind of at the front end of doing a lot of them. Um, it just, it's, it, it, it matches so well with being a more accessible version of golf, meaning non-golfers can even play it. Um, it's relaxed, um, totally different environment. Um, Probably and, not you, Joel. And you can do, do it in a way that good, good, good players can still enjoy as well. So we've been successful in doing a lot of, a lot of big, high-profile short courses, and it's just been great. And obviously the time commitment's less. So the, to yeah. me, they're, they're, they're awesome. I think it's great. I think it's going to be the – uh, a real important part of golf in the future is the ability yeah. to go and play, you know, in half the, well, maybe not half the time, but, you know, whatever, two-thirds of the time uh, and still have a good experience where, you know, like I think a lot of the short courses historically have just been little dinky, crappy yeah. par threes, but now, like, if you can make them a little bit nicer yeah, and make it accessible and... I like the I love the idea of lights at golf at short yep. courses. Um, yep. I think that that's the way that the golf industry. I was grows. just at the uh, American Dream Mall in uh, East Rutherford, New Jer Jersey, for Nat Nationals, and like this mall was huge. Like it had a indoor ice rink, obviously for for yep. hot hockey and cur curling. Um, they had an indoor water park. Whoa. Um, they had indoor downhill skiing. Whoa. Um, like I saw two people in the food court eat eating lunch. One had a surfboard. One had had a snowboard. <laughs> and nice, and, cool. and they had their own inside uh, eighteen hole course. Um, wow! It was oh, wow. it was ang ang Angry Birds themed. Um, okay. All right. And it was a mini putt course. Hmm. Huh. Got it. All right. Hmm. All right. Uh, all right, we're going back to curling now? Probably. Sure. Yeah. Unless you got something else random you want to talk about for a minute, Bo. No, that's good. Whatever okay. You want. Uh, WCF. And, like, this is a question that I have is, do you... I remember, you know, and you probably remember this from your days on the USCA, that, you know, there'd be every year or every couple years, there'd be a bunch of complaining about you know where's our from the members so the different regions where's our uh you know basically instruction kit of running 
learn to curls. Uh, how do how do we grow the sport in our club, in our town, in our region? Um, do you have do you find that to be similar at the WCF level? And is there like a strategy that you guys are trying to implement, like, you know, worldwide? Uh, kind of like we used to try and implement things nationwide at the USCA level. Sure. So there are a whole bunch of things going on. So again, we are comprised of 73 different member associations, so 73 different countries. And so our job uh, is really to try to help our member associations do things in their country, right? So we don't just come into the United States and start doing things. So anything would be done sort of in concert with, with USA Curling or wherever, you know, Scottish Curling, Curling Canada, what have you. Um, and so... The strategic plan I referenced before sort of has sort of four main pillars, which is organizational sustainability, which is like how do we get better as an organization, development, how do we grow curling, um, engagement, so how do we get more eyeballs on curling, and then just competitions in, in general. And so when when I took on this new role, we had a big summit. I actually called it an ideation seminar, which I quickly learned from the Scots is they don't like that word. I think that's an American <laughs> word. Um, but in any event, we had Scots are very particular with... about certain weird shit, though. You know, like you just got sometimes you just got to ignore them when they start complaining about things. So we had the we had the board. We had some of our bigger member associations that have been marketing partners for us with us. We had our marketing partners. We had a series of athletes, um, some sponsors, et cetera, all meet in Toronto and sort of got locked in a windowless conference room for three days and really sort of looked at what do we need to do to try to pivot and maybe more modernized curling and look to the future. Uh, we had a whole series of other sports come and present uh, online to us. Um, with, I had multiple people from golf, we had tennis, we've had Taekwondo, we've had all kinds of people come and sort of share things that they're doing in their sport. And so out of this initiative came what we've very creatively have been calling six big ideas. And so the whole point is trying to, to look to the future with the expressed interest of trying to grow curling, both in terms of the number of curlers, the number of facilities, the number of fans. And so one of the big ideas is what's over my shoulder if I move out of the way. So we've rebranded um, to just World Curling. We dropped Federation uh, with this new logo. And all of our digital assets are being tweaked in terms of how they're communicating with the expressed intent of trying to be communicating to a much younger audience. We've got a big initiative going on about facilities of trying to not just, I think historically, the work that's been done around facilities has been like, oh, here's a blueprint, like let's share this blueprint. But we've got a big um, project going on to kind of look at Curling Club of the future and how, what does all that mean from an operational stand standpoint, like how it can be financially sustainable as well as some environmental sustainability part. Um, and so we've got a couple of initiatives we're about to roll out vis-a-vis -vis that, that would not necessarily be far into, um, the first one might not be super far into U.S. curling people, but we've just set up um, a couple of like quasi-temporary curling clubs um, in the Czech Republic, like in warehouse, like temporary ice, sort of in warehouse mm -hmm. things, um, which we're calling, e or they're calling easy easy curling ice. 
Um, but the whole idea is to try to get and pr truly promote facility development worldwide. And you might see um, us start to brand and license facilities. We may even put some of our own capital into facilities, but we think there's there's something that needs to be done to sit and wait for sort of non real estate development people at the member association level to figure out real estate development overnight. Like I think that's not going to work. And so we're trying to be more proactive in, in that regard. We have a big, big development operation going on led by Scott Arnold um, that we partnered with the World Academy of Sport. And so incredible amount of online training for both coaches, ice techs, athletes, players um, has been something we started a couple of years ago, but that's all ramping up. We've onboarded in a more serious way, or the process of onboarding more serious way, floor curling. Like we see this as a big opportunity, especially in some of the more developed, less developed, non-traditional curling places of getting more interest in curling. Um, and so we've partnered with, with Chad Mellow to Rock Solid, and, and that's a big undertaking we're doing. Uh, World Curling has never particularly been commercially oriented. And so, you know, significant part of our revenue comes from the Olympics, which is great, you know, until the Olympics doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're not the same organization. And, and Beijing was pretty scary, you know, in that regard. And that's not something we're going to change overnight, but we have hired, a, in essence, a chief commercial officer, uh, James Beat from London, uh, who has a long history working around sport and sponsorship. And so we're starting to monetize more of our stuff. So there's sort of lots of stuff going on. Um, you know, I think, Joel, you would know the Curling Nation stuff. I mean, broadcast is being disrupted in a big way. We have our own, in essence, television production operation uh, within us. But linear TV is something that's quickly changing, dying. And, and so the subsidies we have to put into broadcast are significant. So we've been exploring, you know, figuring out broadcast in a lower cost way, a different way. Uh, we've done that with you guys, and the, I think that'll be continue to kind of be a big effort to kind of look in that space of how do we get, how do we get keep eyeballs on curling because we it's, it's, the, the world is getting disrupted in, in that that regard. One of the stats that we've learned along the way is if you look at the Beijing Olympics of what Olympic broadcast system, the content they produced, only one sixth of it from Beijing was in in competition content. Almost all, five, six of it was storytelling, was clips, oh, wow. was other other means really? of engaging. Wow. Yeah, and so we're we're looking at how do we how do we onboard those kinds of things. Oh. Um, and so it's there's lots going on. And so I'm I sort of digress from your question. I think about just simply growing curling, helping our member associations, but we're trying to create these tools and kits and things to help people help our members uh really promote the sport and develop the sport and, and, and what's yeah. and, and, and we're trying to help each nation have their own pathway because i think historically you know we've said you know i think the united states has too often tried to be like let's do this like canada but we're not canada right and then you've got scotland trying to do what scotland's trying to do switzerland trying to switzerland's trying to do but then you go to a place like hungary or sweden and they're all different too and then you go to the you know, to Asia and you can even now go to Africa and South America and they're all different too. So we're trying to work with each of our members to try to figure out developmental pathways that work for them um, that might be different than what works for other people because they're, they're different. And so there's lots of stuff going on in, in terms of all of this. And uh, I'm, I'm, 
a client a long time ago told me, you know, to be careful to not, not try to boil the ocean. And so like, I'm very sensitive about that. If like, it's easy to talk all these grandiose things, but we need, we're trying to put really actionable, realizable steps in place around six, all these six big ideas. And one of the other ones that I forgot to mention was, is I think one of the things we learned from tennis is how super organized tennis is. And so we are not particularly organized in the sport of curling. You've got world curling doing its events. You've got the slams, you got various promoters doing their events, national events, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not particularly organized. And so world curling owns world, world team rankings now. And so we're going to put a big effort in trying to get more organized uh, around calendar, around events, around athletes, and ultimately even around facilities. And to that regard, we've, we've expanded the remit of the Athletes Commission. So historically, the Athletes Commission was very narrow in terms of who it represented. It basically had to be world championships or, or Olympics. But with the world rankings in our purview, that we feel like we got to get a much wider uh, sort of funnel and, and the ability to listen and get feedback from athletes. So we've ex we're expanding how the Athlete Commission works. And in that regard, we've hired Rob Gordon to be an athlete support officer. So there's lots of stuff that's going to be coming and, and being discussed vis-a-vis -vis this to try to hopefully get curling more organized. I think if I say professionalized, that maybe gives people the wrong connotation, but it is in that direction. And so that's a, another big effort. And data is at the harness, at the, the juxtaposition of so many of these things. And we have had a pretty antiquated data capture system in the in the with World Curling, and so it was a big effort on a new new data platform as well. So, in any event, I talked too long. There's lot lots of stuff going on <laughs> that I hope will have have lots of measurable, real, realizable results that we'll, we'll see over the next several years. So, I got some questions about streaming and broadcast casting. Um, yeah. Yep. With. Uh, TV broadcasting in, in the U.S. right now just isn't really that feasible. It's just really expensive and can't sell the ads. Um, and also live streaming, like the audience, um, the, the, the audience for live streaming curling is curlers. So live streaming is great. Uh, curlers lo love it, but we're not getting in front of the non-curlers. So how do we how do we fit that how do we fit those together with uh a live streaming production being you know less than a a tenth of the cost of a tv broadcast um but how do we get that how do we get the eyeballs from the tv cut coverage without the tv cost i mean so that's what we're trying to work on you know and obviously we got some flack at the pancontinental curling about doing it in a curling club and lower cross broadcast and had the issues with TSN. But I think this is the direction that we have to go. And, you know, our OTT partner has been recast. We're in the process of changing all that. Um, and so I think between sort of digital assets and channels that we're going to try to use to promote curling, as well as um, having a better OTT platform to, to engage with people is the first step. Um, but to your point, like that's a small, I mean, it's a small number of people, like it's curlers. And so we got to figure out how to get more eyeballs on the sport. And so there's, you know, lots of people thinking about how we do that. And, you know, you're in that space, certainly be open to any thoughts that you have, but 
it's you know it's a very changing time and so like we're still able to sell more traditional linear television into places like japan for example but like doing that in, in other places it's like it's almost non-existent and so even like us the ability to sort of recoup costs on on anything that we do is like increasingly challenging sure and i don't know if it's because you know we're live streamers and and um the work that i've done and working with john with yeah. uh curling state stadium like we we are uh just a bunch of tech tech nerds trying to figure this out yep. like we are not professional yep. broadcast casters which is why we're coming in at a much che cheaper cost so if you bring in yep. so i know that we're not quite yet at a tv level broadcast uh but we'd like to get closer and i don't know how to do that without bringing in the professionals at a higher cost and would those professionals so even want to do a live stream rather than a TV broadcast? So I think it's it's all over the spectrum once you start putting the world lens on. So like what the what the content that you're able to do, like that is consumable in places around the world. There are other markets that want a, a quote unquote higher level of coverage. And so that's we're trying to work through yeah. all of that and, and trying to figure out like the right balance to all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Sorry, Mike, I missed that. No, that's, that's okay. Sorry, what? I had oh, to cough okay. there. So okay. I coughed on accident. What, uh, like the the streaming stuff that you guys put out on what formerly was recast, and I'm not quite sure. No, it's sure. not recast because somebody bought it and took it right. over. Right, what, so what, what, so what formerly, formerly was recast. recast, and I don't know exactly how the process works now because it ended, that all fell apart, like, since guess, I've wanted to watch anything, I think um, the is back now. But uh, like, what kind of numbers are you pulling on that in like North America versus Europe versus Asia for those kinds of events? Are they like surprising? Are they what you would think? And what 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 is that that you would think? I guess. So I think the recast when we started with recast, we were the first people to go with recast and uh, and so we didn't really know kind of what the deal would be and recast was based on a micro payments concept so you either buy these tokens for a minimal amount of money or you watch ads and develop tokens but anyway the revenue we generated off of our recast efforts was greater than what we expected but not that we had high expectations uh, and it was growing and then recast ran into its financing issues and you know quickly went through sort of a bankruptcy process and came out of that. But I think what we learned through that process is that we wanted to explore um, other vendors, other OTT providers. And and one of the, th it relates to data. So like with Recast, we didn't necessarily know who the people were. Like we were just getting micropayments and even sharing some of those micropayments with athletes. But we think there's a better, more robust platform for us and I can't give you, Craig, the specifics of numbers of what sure. they were. I mean, obviously it wasn't massive, but it was it was better than what I would have thought. Um, but we think there's opportunity in this space. I don't think we're going to figure it out overnight, to be honest with you, because it's like it's all changing all the time in terms of what's happening and, and whatnot. But one of the things that we've been working on is this concept of what we call the world curling family, which would be – some way of identifying yourself as a curler um, 
and you would get certain benefits out of this, of, of being a part of this. And so one of those very much might be the distribution of, of content from a streaming type platform. And so we're, we're trying to figure all of that out. Uh, at the same time, you know, we've got nations that want full television production. And so, but the problem is they're not necessarily willing to pay for it. And so that then becomes this sort of, you know, big thing of, well, what do we do? Do we ramp, how do we ramp up sponsorship to cover that cost? Do we just further subsidize it, you know, et cetera. And so, you know, that's where all this stuff starts to overlap and link. So we've now got somebody on the staff that's trying to figure out commercial partnerships and commercial opportunities, how we use those partnerships and opportunities could be broadcast, could be through something else. But historically we just sort of, you know, we had our on ice sponsors and, and that sort of helped subsidize events such that we then went and sold satellite time to various broadcasters around the, the world. And just that, that's the world that's just all changing in a really rapid place. I and mean, you see it here in the United States with NBC basically getting out of the Olympic sports coverage market, you know, except for the Olympics itself. Got it. So I don't have a perfect answer. No, except that it's a big, there, de- there is big no de- perfect a, answer. I don't it's a, think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a big deal that we are spending a lot of time trying to figure out what's the best way to do this for growing. Sure. How many uh, how many board members are on the W? Uh, do, do I still call it WCF or do, should I just we're, start, we're just starting to call it World Curling now? But okay. um, there are eight board there are eight board members, and then we now part of that structural review group. One of the changes we did is we have the, the head of the Athletes Commission on the board. Right now, that's Jill Officer, and right now they don't have a vote. It's just voice only, and I think we'll we'll look at that long term as to whether that makes sense to adjust or not. The reason we started out with voice, no vote, is that by Swiss law, which is what we're incorporated in, there's all kinds of fiduciary responsibilities that you have and we that relates to the totality of the organization and so we wanted the athlete voice at the boardroom table representing athletes solely like representing that constituency so that's how it started but i could see that we may look at it evolving that through time so that's eight plus jill nine so you said there's eight eight people plus uh but there's you said 72 countries 72 members 72 members like they and they would like when you were running for president though was there 72 vote or like how many votes were there for that so every country the the way it's working currently and we're looking at this too potential changes but the way it works now would be not very dissimilar to how usa curling used to work in that the various members self-report numbers of curlers and they have a vote, a number of votes based on the number of curlers that they have. And I think what we're finding is that, or have found is that we have some countries counting floor curlers and we have some countries counting only on ice curlers. We have some people counting only you know, more developed elite athlete curlers. Um, so I'm not sure it's a, a, a great, the perfect representation. It's all self-reported. So I'm not sure. sure it's the perfect representation of of the various ways that our members contribute 
to our organization. So we have an effort ongoing that's looking at how we might classify members in different ways based on different metrics. And this is something that badminton's done and many other sports have done. Um, and so we've we've engaged with members a couple times already on this. And, and I think for the most part, members are think it makes sense. And so we're, we're continuing to develop that. And we may even tie in developmental dollars. Um, so we have something called a DAP program, which is a developmental assistance program. We may, but we're going to rethink DAP and how that works. It used to just be every country got X amount. Um, but we're going to look for, you know, that to evolve based on, you know, Canada's at one level, Nigeria's at another level, and there's all kinds of stuff in between. And so we're going to look at all that kind of in a different way with trying to promote and incent behavior and development and, and things of that nature and not just be a yearly thing, like a way to look at it more of a long-term basis in terms of development. Sure. Well, I feel like we could probably just continue talking to Bo for pretty much ever, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. it's it's late in South Carolina, and yeah. he's still yeah. partially on Korea time, so maybe probably. it's early. Um, we have a series of questions that we always ask everybody, and some of them aren't going to yep. necessarily apply to you because yeah, because uh, you're not this typical guest, which is yep. great. And I'm yep. glad we got a different kind of we'll, we'll person ask, on. But we'll, we'll ask you a couple. We'll, we'll ask accordingly. There's, uh, yeah, there's a couple. Uh, all right. Um, obviously, I'm going to assume you you consider Palmetto your home club. Do you have, do you have a outside of Palmetto? What is your, what is your favorite place that you've curled? You know, I mean, Bemidji will always be this sort of special place. So <laughs> it's sort of its own sort of box up there, but. I would also say that just up the street in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, the Charlotte Club has been wonderful. They have dedicated ice, and so they've been, you know, wonderful to us at the Palmetto Club, and really helped and assisted us. A lot of our members are going up there, and so we got a special place in our heart for them. We have this uh, uh, this friendly competition, which we call the Seventeen Twelve Cup, because when I travel outside of of uh, the Carolinas, I'll get people to ask me. They'll ask me like, "How are things in Carolina?" Well, the colony of Carolina ceased to really exist in 1712. <laughs> like we've been apart since 1712. I love so it. we have the we have the 1712 Cup that the Charlotte Curling Center and and Palmetto Curling play. So they're a special place. That's great. I like that. I have also never heard Bo introduce himself as from anywhere other than the great state of South the Carolina. The great state of South Carolina. It's it's yeah. always the great state of South Carolina. I've been there. That's right. It's nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have a favorite Bonspiel that you've been to? Um, you know, I think this goes back. I think I'm, some of these questions I'm going to answer, it's all like the formative moments of getting me into curling, I think, were important. And so sure. one of the first Bonspiels I started going to uh, was in y'all's neck of the woods. So it's been the, the, the summer spiel in Green Bay. Uh, that used to be oh, something that's that was a, good a regular, regular thing on the calendar. So yeah. that was uh, lots of great memories from that. That's a good one. Yeah. We haven't had that answer had yet, that but that's a good answer. Nor have we had that. Spiel I like for a, a good while. summer spiel. Yeah. Good summer spiel. Yeah. Go outside. Yeah. yeah. Flip flops on. Flip flops. Play some bags. Or, and and yeah. the Green Bay summer spiel. You stop by. Um, what's that bar on the way back to the Day Days Inn Hotel? And doozies. And do doozies. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's a good time. All right. Uh, so you've go maybe haven't curled a bunch and won a bunch of 
things, but you've traveled a bunch. Um, so what's some of the, maybe some of the weirder things that you've received? What is that? Yeah, what's like the best or weirdest, best or weirdest swag thing that you've maybe swag you received got. in your travels? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think. I just came back from Korea with all kinds of stuff, um, <laughs> you know, including lots of strange things I don't want to eat. Um, I've been there. That's correct. How much, how much, it's either seaweed much, or Ukraine. It's either seaweed or dried much, fish. You don't want to eat it. Nice. Whole bunch of Ukrainian Olympic gear. Whoa. Which is great. I'm pretty close to the Ukrainian Curling Federation. Um, in playing in some of these world things, there's been this concept of uh, jersey swapping sometimes. And okay. like, my, my weight yo yo's, and like, I'm really big right now. And so I've got some really bad, like, Swedish gear that can't fit over my, <laughs> my big gut. It's bright yellow and blue. That looks a little odd. I've got a Curling Canada golf shirt that, again, needs to be about four sizes, probably bigger. Um, so nothing too out of the out of the whack, but uh, it's been fun to to do these travels and get to know people, and, and nice. I, I certainly appreciate any any sort of gift. So I like that. Nice. All right, uh, you're going to a bond spiel, and you can take your ideal team. We have allowed people to take five person team. So you can you can have uh, four people plus yourself or just take three, doesn't matter. Uh, who you can have curlers, famous people, live, dead, whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Who would you like to take with you and where would you like to go? Yeah, that's a hard one. Um... I think I probably think about that question in terms of curlers as opposed to non-curlers and probably more in terms of live curlers as opposed to dead curlers. Um, so I think I'd either go um, in the direction of maybe some of the people who served on, my, on the board, WCF board with me. Um, so those might be somebody like uh, Bent Ramsfield or uh, Catherine Lindahl or Kate Caithness, or Graham Prouse. Um, so I think th those are all special people to me that are part of my journey in, in world curling. Or I might flip around and look at more of my origin story and go back to a, a Pete Finston and a Cassie Johnson, one of the key guys that helped start the Palmetto Curling College, a guy named Bill Marshall, who was originally from Nova Scotia originally and had moved down to South Carolina and never thought he'd play curling again. And to this day, I think he kind of looks at me like this bizarre Pied Piper of curling, but he's been a key, <laughs> key, key person uh, that helped us at the Palmetto Curling Club. And I, I go anywhere with that guy. So nice. Um, and I, this is one of these questions again. I could probably go on and on and on. So I like those answers. You got a particular bond spiel you might do, go to? Do you, have some, do you have some place that you would like to go? Um, some place I'd like to go. Um. I'd probably pick some rink in Scotland would be fine, but it's not sure. so much the rink as more just being in Scotland. Just, just being in Scotland. Um, I like that. And then I know you guys are Wisconsin guys, but like so much of my early orientation was in Minnesota. So 
you know, take me up that's, to the range. That's okay, Bo. Nobody's yeah, perfect. Years, so. I mean, you yeah. can, you yeah. can yeah. want to go yeah. to Minnesota and curl. It's all right. I've we heard we of, forgive you. I've heard Minnesota. We've all been to the range. We I've all like Minnesota's it. We nice. all go yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. Uh, if you had a if you had a curling walk-up song, assuming you, what, what would your curling walk-up song be? Oh, man. It'd probably like, be... Uh, that's a good question. It'd probably be like some ACDC thing, like Who Made Who or Thunderstruck or All right. something like that. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah. You have a walk-up song when you give a presentation at World Curling? That'd be great. Yeah. Have, yeah, have some intro. Bo needs some intro music. Yeah. If anybody's out there listening. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll incorporate that in. I think so. Just loosen up the room a little bit shake before it, you walk it in. Shake yep. it. Make it a little less stuffy there at World Curling. Sounds like yep. you're doing some great things, though. Have you got some uh, World Curling sponsors that you'd like to give a little oh, yes. shout out to? Sure. Or, so, or Bo Welling Design uh, sponsors. Frankly, I, I really <laughs> don't care. Those. Yeah, I mean, so we've got, um, you know, coming up in Europe, we've got, you know, LGT is a big sponsor of ours. Uh, Lugger Cheese is a big sponsor. And then uh, in the Canadian sponsors like OKT, OKT Tires and those kind of guys. So they've all been great, wonderful people in the curling space. We've just hired, we've just uh, done a deal with a couple of new sponsors, including ISS and a foreign exchange company. So we're continuing to get more and more sponsors. Um, and we're sort of excited about that. I think one of the things that I think is interesting about looking at who does sponsor us and why they sponsor us, I think one of it is that they feel like we are a value-based sport and, and something they feel comfortable aligning their brand to it's our brand in, in terms of what we are as a community and as a sport and i think that's something that in today's day and age we we need to only promote even more and more uh, you know i'll maybe close it out with you guys by just saying that you know i've said it many times and sometimes people will laugh at me but i truly honestly believe it this whole this whole adventure that i've been on but i honestly believe that if the world had more curlers the world would be a better place and so I think it's incumbent on all of us to figure out, like, how do we go get more curlers? Because more people need to be exposed to the, the greatness of this sport, this community, and these values that we all have. Love it. Love it. I can't. Okay. That's I a good one, way to wrap it up, though, I, isn't it? it is, you're going you're to ruin no, it. No, but I can't let him go. I have my one question. <laughs> I, did my, I did my little research. Okay. This is how we get more curlers. This is, I'm telling this you. This is it. I'm telling you. Okay, let's this hear it. This is how we do it. All right. I was, read, I was doing a little research. I was reading on your web, on your your golf web page uh three people you want to have dinner with da vinci james madison and oprah oprah because yep. she's one of the most influential women do you want to change that to taylor swift because i think that's <laughs> no, I think the key I'll to getting more curlers taylor swift yeah maybe <laughs> maybe i do think we have to we, we we do need to lead in young i mean for sure and so um, there are obviously examples of people growing sports like pickleball with older people, but I think the future really is we, we need to figure out how to get more young people involved, and I think there's a real opportunity to do that. So maybe Tay Tay fits into that. that All right, I love it. I love it. All right, Tay Tay. That's great. All right, Bo. Thank you so much for coming on. We've monopolized far too much of your time, but we could. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Probably have bazillion more questions, but yeah. Thank you. Safe travels. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Cheers. All right. That's it. Season four, episode eight.
big thanks to Bo for coming on. That was a great interview. We probably could have asked him like a ton more questions, and uh, he probably would have kept going and had great stories. Maybe we can have him on again. Uh, who knows when? Maybe as the Olympics get closer or something. I'm sure he won't get busy at all. No. Uh, no, never. Never. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors, as always. Modus Financial. Visit ModusCC.com. We need some POS needs. Uh, also, EndgameCurling.com. Check them out uh, if you need a new brush. It's getting towards the end of the season for many of us, I would imagine. But doesn't mean you can't upgrade. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, you can always uh, email the show if you want us to talk to somebody. Obviously, we can get them on if we can get the World Curling. If we can get the president, president of World Curling on at the we, drop of a hat, we can we get can, anybody. We can get anybody. So email the show, curlingnation at curlingnetwork.com. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, otherwise, if you, we, we still do have some merch, some ends cards. Uh, email the show. We can get them out to you. Big thanks to my new friend, Laura. She bought some. She was at the five and under at Madison and she, cool. she saw me there and she's like, Hey, can I get some cards? I said, absolutely. You can. Is that so, the one that hey, stopped by the shop? Probably. And then I said, yes, find Mike. Yep. And it, it, she said, who's Mike? I said, the handsome one. Ask Mason, who <laughs> the PO, the Modus Financial guy yeah. who was running the spiel. I said, yeah. ask Mason. Ask the POS. Ask the POS Mason <laughs> who Mike is, and Mike will have the cards. Yeah. Yep. But uh, Laura, Laura was great. She was very excited to have some cards. So uh, I want to give her a shout out. Thank, big thanks to her for supporting Thank, the show. Thanks for supporting the show. Yep. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, check us out. We're on Twitter, Facebook. I don't know uh, yeah. other social media. I don't know. That's it. I don't, I don't have anything else. Mike, Joel, Craig. Good curling, everybody. Out. <laughs>